welcome to episode 25 of Saladcast. With this week, it's just myself and Glenn. How are you doing, Glenn? I'm okay, yeah. It's just us this week because we have got a lot of football to talk about, haven't we, Ollie? Obviously, uh, two games this week and, uh, yeah, one win, one loss, but quite a lot to talk about in terms of the performance and Cottrell and new players and, oh, got all sorts going on in that sort of post-January busy window, Ollie. Yeah, no, it's busy and, yeah, obviously transfer window and all that kind of is put to bed now and February is just about pure games because there's a lot of games. So, yeah, a lot of things to keep us entertained, um, obviously, while we're still in lockdown. So yeah, so two games to cover. Um, but before we start, interesting little stat came up from um, the um, the pre-match for the game on Saturday, um, where Vela said that him and Norburn have known each other since they were ten, and um, Norburn being one year older and then Nor- and then Vela. So it's interesting they've known each other for such a long time. That was in the Bolton Academy. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and and you know we're starting to see signs that that is going to be something very positive, aren't we, Ollie? In terms of their connection and the, and the sort of team they've formed. And I think really you know we'll we'll talk about how um, maybe the best of that didn't come out against Crew, but it certainly did come out against um, against Swindon. So yeah, you know I thought they were fantastic. And so yeah, it really really good little story, Ollie. It wasn't something I was aware of. A good bit of a digging by you. And yeah, and yeah, it'd be interesting to hear a bit more about that, I suppose. Cool, so yeah, let's get, get into the games. That wasn't quite the end of the entertainment. Shrewsbury thought they'd sneaked a late winner through Darren Kerry. The referee Brian Coddington ruled it out. And seconds later, having blown the final whistle, he had to take cover as a protester ran onto the pitch to remonstrate. Goalkeeper Benny Gould took care of him. So, the first game this week, uh, Shrewsbury Town, nil, uh, crew Alexandra one unfortunately with uh, the goal through Dale on 27 minutes not something we could recover from despite having a bit of a go at it but um yeah unfortunate result off off the back of our good form and obviously we wanted to get back home and, and get to wins but uh, it wasn't to be was it but still five wins from seven uh, for Salap and yeah crew are only three points off the top six Ollie so they're having a pretty good season aren't they and um you know before we throw to the team I think just worth saying that I think we saw why crew are quite high up the league didn't we <laughs> Yeah, they're a good side. Um, they haven't been doing as well um, coming to this game. Um, but yeah, they're a very good side, some very good players. But um, yeah, unfortunately for them, their team is being picked apart. Um, so we were hoping that Harry Pickering wouldn't be playing, but actually came back on loan mm. after he's saying for, for Rovers. So yeah, their, their team's being picked apart, which is um, a sad of situation that you often get, isn't it? Um, we've obviously lost good youngsters as well, with Connor Goldson and Ryan Woods and stuff moving on. But they had a, quite a little generation come through um, and they've lost a few, which is a shame for them. But... That is life, isn't it? Lower low, down in the league. Yeah, well, yeah, it seems to be that crew always have a generation coming through. They do sort of tend to bring through good, yeah, good youth fantastic. players. and Been doing that since the Dario Grady days, haven't they? But um, yeah, you know that's what their business model has been over the years. It's you should create some profit within those youth players at a highly qualified and coached level, technically very good normally, and you know that's the money that keeps a small club like Crew going. I mean, we, you know, we try to do the same thing sometimes, don't we? With with taking non-league prospects and maybe building them up to, to sell on. But um, you know, it, it was a, it was it was definitely a sort of a interesting game to watch because it was two teams that certainly wanted to try and play football, wasn't it? But um, yeah, before we get into the game, Ollie, I suppose let's just run through the team. Yep, so Sasha's in goal, um, the, the normal back three of Williams, E. Banks, and Pierre. And we had a bit of change at right wing back. Um, yeah. So Sias started. Um, it's the first time he started for about a year, um, coming back from in- all the injuries that he's had. Um, so it's good to see him in. And then obviously we had the Bash brothers of Velo and Norburn in central <laughs> field, um, Ogbeta um, playing left wing back. Um, and then, yeah, Chapman, Doe and Worley um, as, a, as a front three. Um, so, yeah, settles formation, um, obviously a bit of change um, with Sears, but probably the team that you expected, Glenn, apart from Sears, obviously. 
Well, yeah, it, you know, a bit of a surprise not to see Love start, having having kind of got back into the team now and really her only natural kind of position, well, I suppose, she is, is obviously coming up for injury. But, yeah, you know, Love seems to be first choice now all of a sudden, doesn't he, from absolutely nowhere. So, um, yeah, he was obviously ill, so that, that's unfortunate that can happen. Um, I'm glad for Sears, Ollie. You know, he's battled his way back, hasn't he, from two very bad injuries. And I think this was his first start of the season, wasn't he? He just said that. And, you know, to get back to that position where he's, he's you know, missed, you know, some of the early 20s years to be playing football and, you know, playing for the club he's come through the UC, system out. I really want it to work for him, whether it's at centre-back or right-back. I suspect this season's going to be another year now, rest of the season kind of being in and out of the team and just kind of helping us and covering where needed, but you know, I'd like to think next season with a good pre-season under him, um, his fitness gets better, his, his physicality gets better. I think there's, you know, I'd like to see him pushing to try and start you know, week in, week out for Shrewsbury, but um, yeah, it's just great to see him back. The rest of the team kind of picks itself at the moment, doesn't Ollie? Um, this is pretty main signing, so yeah, we're pretty settled, aren't we, in, in the other positions. Yeah, definitely, but still options off the bench yep. or in the squad now. The squad's smaller from the Jonah Trent window, and I think better for it. And also got a few players that can play multiple positions now, which is which is a positive. Mm. Um, and then talking of positives, Glenn, um, the game started <laughs> quite well, didn't it? So, um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that um, we would have expected Chapman to score this opportunity. So, yeah, William throws up to does a throw to a doe, um, to Worley, to Chapman. And Chapman just bursts through the lines. Amazing. Um, through um, Omar Beckles and Oli Lancashire, uh, which is an odd central part, thing from a Salah perspective. <laughs> um, and, yeah, he should, you would have thought he would have scored there. It was a difficult, yeah, to try and chip the ball, which is never the easiest. Um, but you would have thought you'd have scored that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would have done, considering he scored from long range a couple of times already and seems to have a good knack for hitting the back of the net. And give the keeper a bit of credit, he came out and closed the angle down and, and forced him to have to chip it rather than maybe sort of, sort of have a side foot shot. But um, it was just brilliant to see him sort of flowing forward again, wasn't it, with that sort of languid style. It's not languid, I suppose. It's just kind of, I don't know, quite easy on the eye, isn't it, the way that he sort of flows forward um, and the style that it has. And yeah, just a little lob, but just wide. I mean, when he hit it on, on the eye follow, I thought, oh, he scored because, you know, you just don't expect him to miss. But maybe it was just to give us a... Just a reminder that he can miss shots, and just to make sure that we don't think he's going to score every time. But um, yeah, unfortunate. And and for me, Ollie, the, the the thing about that was, if you look at the replay back, Doe is standing unmarked on the penalty spot, and and it's, it'd have been a very difficult pass to find him. But you know, maybe just chipping it into the middle of the box and, and hoping someone's there just to tap it in might have been the better option. But uh, but unfortunate, wasn't it? And you know, just didn't didn't happen. And it was wasn't what it was one of a few times that we got through them. But there weren't, weren't too many good chances like that across the rest of the game, were there? Uh, not in the first half. Second Certainly half, not, we no. had quite a, we had a lot of chances and a lot of yeah. opportunities in the box. Um, but we'll come back to that. Um, yeah, and after that, I thought probably Crew started to dominate a little bit. Um, Crew uh, managed by Artel um, are a very good, technically organised. Um, you know, I think there's something that we need to remember that this is a side that you know was successful in League Two, have been together for a long time, and particularly in the second half, we saw how organised they are and how familiar they are with each other, um, and we just didn't have the space that we had against Posh, um, and even the space that Swindon gave us, um, and it just shows you obviously it's a football game being very silly comment in some ways, but you know it's just both teams will kind of help each other or you know crush each other in terms of attacking and crew are very difficult to play against. Um, but I think after that chance, I think it's fair to say that um, Crew had the better of the second half. Um, we both had four shots in that half, um, but two had um, Crew had two on target um, and obviously scored one of them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it was pretty obvious. We normally sort of talk about the opposition at the end of the game, don't we? But it's, I'll, I'll weave this yeah. in here on the back of what you just said. Is because um, 
I thought that crew did their homework, Ollie. Um, I think that whoever their analyst is paid very much attention to the game against Peterborough that, that following weekend because it was very clear that they'd done the things that Peterborough didn't. Um, and the number one thing was you squeeze in on Norburn and Vela and you don't give them the, the opportunity to control and dictate the, the game. You know, Chapman yeah. was still finding space in the game and, and so was Adoe when he came deep. They, they weren't so worried about that, interestingly. They really nailed down the two centre mids, um, which is something Swindon didn't do, which is probably why we won. But um, yeah, to me, that was the, the number one thing they must have learned from watching Peterborough. So it's going to be interesting to see if more teams do that going forward, Ollie, um, because it does definitely sort of stifle us a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. But I guess having now Maine gives us that other option. Yes, um, which for is, sure. And something that we've talked about quite a bit, that you know we've definitely worked on our defensive shape. And um, we were talking about this with Dan last week. Attacking now is going to be our big focus, I think. Um, and interesting, we played a different formation on Saturday as well, which will make it harder for teams to kind of prep against us. Um, but yeah, as you said, Glenn, yeah, Norburn and Vela didn't have so much space. Um, yeah, and we, yeah, there was an effort for Sears who headed wide, um, but then Wintle, who's, I, I really like deep line playmakers, like in that kind of Perlo mode, um, mm. kind of just sitting back and he, he's such a good player, Wintle, um, not only on the ball, but he did so many good track and then he, you know, their fullbacks push on. So he has to be really aware um, and have really good um, kind of discipline um, and determination to get back. And he cut out quite a lot of attacks, particularly in the second half. His defensive play was brilliant. Um, but one thing I thought that we were struggling with, and we will struggle when we play wing backs against a team that have attacking fullbacks, um, I thought we gave their, their both their fullbacks too much time and space. It's basically we would either need number 10 or the strikers to close down their fullbacks, obviously not having wingers in the side. Um, and, they kept that, and that was a threat. So Pickering put some balls in from the left. Um, and then, then the goal came from the right-hand side. Um, so across from their very sensitive right-back, um, <laughs> who crossed the ball into the box... Ebanks, bless him, he messed up, didn't he? He yeah. kicked the ball kind of up and down, up into the air. It comes to Dale, who pokes home a very easy goal and one I'm sure that the Shooter Town team were frustrated. I'm sure Ebanks was frustrated than anyone else um, to concede that goal. I can see what he's trying to do, trying to just get a foot on it and maybe steer it back out the way it yeah. came from, but it, his foot sort of got caught under the ball and just ballooned it up, didn't it? And not too sure it was back post now, having looked back on it more. Yeah, more it back post, But yeah, yeah. He, he got left a little bit too easy, didn't he, back post, the, the guy just to tap at home, Sarkic really no chance. And, and it was unfortunate because it changed the complete narrative of the game, didn't it, as soon as they got the goal. I mean, they they, they could easily sit back a little bit more and, and let us play at arm's length a bit, and not to mean we didn't have a go, but um, yeah, it was just an unfortunate time to, to let a goal in, really. And it does, does feel like Shrewsbury Town, as long as we get the first goal we've got a fantastic chance of going on to win games I'm still a little bit I'm still a little bit nervous about when we concede and, and how that goes because I don't know we're still not great at getting ourselves out of holes um, because of the marginality still we've only scoring one one goal in most games so um, yeah it's always a bit of a, a blow to this team when they go behind isn't it yeah it's definitely it's, it's, it's a theme from, from Sam Ricketts where he scored yeah. basically a goal a game um, Steve Cottrell while our defensive performance has improved and our um, our XG is a bit better and yeah. just um, Steve Cottrell it's mar- very very mild marginal and um, yeah using a phrase with Mickey Mellon it's about five margins and mm. getting that goal and I think both of these games are almost a flip reverse to each other aren't they one side gets the lead and then sees it out um, and yeah um, but the, but the half ended on a little bit of a high from Shrewsbury an amazing run from Pierre we love it don't we when we go on these I'm going to say it Glenn Granderson-esque runs oh, there you um, go, yeah. from defence <laughs> um, it was a really good run wasn't it um, yes. ball into the box great control from Chapman shot blocked um, so Shrewsbury have a threat and, and Chapman is, is clearly um, our best attacking asset. Um, um, but yeah, not the best half for Muscovy conceding. Um, but 
yeah, it, it, you thought second half, I didn't feel the game was over, that's for sure. No, no, 1-0 it's never over in League One, is it? There's always a chance that something can happen, you know, that's why we end up getting a fair few draws, because, you know, a lot of 1-1s and stuff, isn't there? But, um, yeah, I, I felt like that was a, a very nice moment to end it on, but my, my reflections on it were that, really, Wally and Nor- Wally and uh, Ado were very much struggling in the game, I thought, um, in terms yeah. of our, our, our sort of attacking presence. To be fair to Omar Beckles, and, and this will continue for the second half, he really did very well with with Ado. He kind of had him in his pocket pretty yeah. much the whole game. And Wally, I think it was one of those games where it stood out that Wally is not a forward. He is a, he's a winger, um, and it just didn't quite work for them. So yeah, obviously we, we obviously have signed a player, and, and we're gonna we've obviously changed that for Swindon. But yeah, I think that was maybe one of the things that kind of started to sort of become apparent as the half went on, and definitely into the second half, which is why we eventually ended up changing it. But um, yeah, just worth talking about Beckles really because we kind of weave these chats in. I thought he was pretty good, Ollie, wasn't he? You know. It's amazing how a third well it was fourth choice here wasn't he I suppose in terms of centre-backs has gone on to crew who were having a good season and been basically first choice for them and I don't know on the evidence of that performance from from Omar Beckles I think you've got to give him a lot of credit for what he's doing in League One now you know he's been the chance it looks like he's the chance that he's the sort of centre-back leader there and he, he seems to have taken to it pretty well to be fair yeah, he was just a blur in the pecking order, and crew fans probably listen. This probably won't believe us that he was our fourth choice centre back. Yep, um, but he was, um, and that's why he left because he wanted to play first team football. If he'd stayed with us, I would have assumed that he probably would have been fourth choice again this season. I agree. Um, maybe he'd have got that centre place instead of Ebanks, but he had to have fought for his place. And yeah, obviously he wanted to go for crew and kind of get that that um, that place. And yeah, he's done really well. Talking about Ado, and this is where we get critical of him at times and um, his work rate is absolutely fantastic his attitude is absolutely fantastic um, I question if he's a league one player at the moment maybe he could push on and be a better uh, player long term but for me he's, he's, this was one of his worst games possibly of the season um, his hold at play was really poor um, and and for me he just doesn't have that desire to get the ball in the back of the net he doesn't have that desire to score um, and for me, it's it's an area that we need to improve. And I imagine in the summer, uh, maybe there'll be a change in that area. I don't know what your thoughts are on Ado. It wasn't the best performance for him, was it? Yeah, I think for me, Ollie, that one of the biggest worries Ado will have had over this week is obviously he played in, in the game versus Crew and was pretty ineffectual um, as a League One striker and a sort of maybe our, our focal point up front. And he sees a guy come in, Curtis Main, who's not played in, in League One for a few years. But, you know, the things we've been praising um, Ado about in terms of work rate, holding the ball up and bringing others into play, Main did to a level above Ado currently. And that that would be his biggest concern is that we've brought a player in to replace a lot of the stuff he's doing well. If he was a natural striker and he was a finisher, a sort of Tom Bradshaw sniff around the box it'd be different because they're they're not doing the same role but he doesn't seem to offer that either and, and that stood out to me in some of the performances we've seen this week as well so he's got a big problem now as far as I'm concerned it might end up being it might end up being Maine and Odell was the strike force going forward but um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all, all shakes out really because he's certainly got more competition now than he had the, the rest of the season and without the competition he wasn't really bagging regularly either so yeah pretty, pretty worrying times for him I think in terms of playing much football He comes from non-league obviously um, so there's not loads of pressure on him. You know, he doesn't raise a big transfer fee involved and stuff. He'll definitely improve with the coaching we have from the team um, and the staff and the manager and, and Aaron Wilbraham, possibly being a striker, playing over 700 games. You know, he's in, the, he's in a great place to learn. You just wonder whether we will be able to sign players who have with better ability right now. Mm. I've, I've no doubts that he couldn't come back, you know, and do a bit of a James Collins. I'm not saying he goes to the championship, but, you know, come back and play in League One again. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Vido. Um and, and yeah, we, he needs to see that killer instinct. We need to get more goals. Um, as we kind of 
shown shown on many occasions he doesn't have that desire in him really he doesn't seem like that natural goal scorer but anyhow second half um Glenn um I think it's fair to say that crew um if this was football manager um they they went from zero time wasting to the push the the, the kind of the the bar right to the top um because they came out with a very clear away strategy time waste win win free kicks and um, defend um, resiliently. And, you know, to credit them, they put a very, very good away um, defensive performance um, in place. Um, and you can't criticise them for it. We've done it before. But hell, man, man I was I was moaning to you in, in direct message, wasn't I? Yeah, you don't like the time waste, do you, Ollie? And then on the Swindon game, I did send you a message back saying you're going to complain about our time waste in the second half. It wasn't quite as bad as Cruz, to be fair. But I think, you know, they did to us in the second half what we did to Doncaster, Hull and, and Lincoln. Um, you know, <laughs> we got up ahead. Um, we were, were clearly probably not quite as quite as good as those three teams, man-to-man, you would suspect. But we did what we needed to do, which was stay solid, you know, Take the, take the sting out of the game, you know, don't rush over throw-ins, you know, take goal kicks slightly longer and if you get a knock, go down, look for that free kick. It's all the stuff we did in those three away games we won back-to-back. So I can't really complain to crew. I can only really commend them for it. I do wonder whether that's how they're playing all this season that's got them up the top or you do some, you do see slightly more attacking verve from them. I don't know really. I, I, I think to... it was talking to a couple of um, crew fans on a, po- a Railman, Railway Month podcast. <laughs> um, they were basically, I think, just one really wanted to win and, and they needed a win. You know how a bit of win can kind of change your fortune yeah, so yeah. as we said in the last post they come into the game a lot of draws so I think they were really pleased to get the win um, and yeah while I was moaning um, it's so frustrating and every time I looked at the clock five minutes seemed to disappear it's one of those <laughs> games and I remember doing that in the meadow when you, you're desperate to win and you look every time you look to your left at the scoreboard over the away fans time just disappears so fast mm. and then when you're watching Spurs on, on the Premier League games on Sky like you know Every second counts because it's so dull and boring. But this was the opposite end for us. Um, but I think it's fair to say as a summary, though, Glenn, in this half, yeah, we had 58% possession. We had 12 shots. And we had three shots on target, um, six off target, but three were blocked. Um, and yeah, for me, we played well in the second half from a performance point of view. We dominated possession. Um, you know, Ollie Norburn and Vela ran the show. Um, Ogbeta showed us what a good player he is. Um, but as a kind of overall summary, um, I thought just our decision making and when we were taking shots and necessarily as well, who was taking shots. So some of our defenders were kind of in the top uh, at the top of the, the shot ranking in this game. And it just didn't come together, did it, in the second half like we might have liked. No, and they commend them for the effort and uh, the, the the sort of commitment they put into trying to get back in the game. It still, it still at times felt like quite a dull game, to be honest with you. But I, I have to say, it was good to see us go in losing 1-0 at half-time, having not created too much in the first half, and come out with a bit more effort and, and really push crew back. And they wanted to be pushed back. They weren't too expressive, were they, going forward. But yeah, you know, it just shows that you know maybe Wilbraham and, and, and uh, the gaffer on the phone maybe could just get into a few of the players and, and get them to just up their level that five percent that made the difference but it, you know we'll go through the chances now quite quickly I suppose but there was there was several of them that you know some were good efforts some were a bit wasteful there was just a mixture of all different types of chances long ranges you know half half shots and stuff and you're right it was really you know the thing we complain about the final touch or the final cross really that let us down just for that really really good chance um but yeah I don't know which of the, which of the chances I suppose second half stood out for you really that you thought that was the one 
Yeah, so there was um, well, there's a few good chances that's run yeah. through them. So yeah, Ogbetta to Worley, and he fired wide. And there's a, a good effort from Norburn from distance. Um, yep. That was good effort. Um, so from a corner, we recycled the ball, and, and Norburn crossed into the box, and Ebanks headed wide. And there was a really good run from Ogbetta, who drove Classy forward was. and fired wide. I bet you mm. love that one. Yeah, he was great. Um, Ado, Ado headed wide from a corner. Uh, that was um, a good chance, yeah. Yeah, that was a good chance as well. And then there was um, Daniels is on, and yeah, I thought he did well when he came on. Yep. Um, I'll let you think of what your thoughts on there. And he defended well for Mogbetta, who had another chance. Um, and then unfortunately, um, there was a probably yeah, the worst moment of the game where Chapman was challenging back and he broke the kid's leg. Mm. Yeah, I suppose for, for me, the, 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 the chances thing, I suppose, yeah, as much as I hate to say it, the Ado one stood out to me, you know. Yeah. Header from a corner. Um, I suspect if that it had been free unmarked, wasn't it? Unmarked. If it had been Maine or or even Leon Clark with their experience, I think you would have probably scored that. Um, maybe with a little extra height as well. That was a that was a great chance. The one that stood out to me. I really did like the better one, and he was fantastic across the game. We'll probably talk about it when we come to top threes or at the end. But his his desire and his technical ability is is absolutely fantastic, and he's definitely going to become one of my favourites. I think on on the on the evidence of these first few games. Um, and yeah, and and Daniels. If you want my opinion on that, I thought. It's actually a really good move to bring him on when we're chasing games, Ollie. Um, because it, more often than not in League One, we're seeing teams do what Crew did, what we did away from home when we're winning 1-0. They will naturally sit back and invite pressure. And, and rather than leaving a Williams or a, a Love, you know, trying to get up and down the right wing um, as a wing back and, and having a lot of possession in the final third, but knowing that they don't really have the quality to do a good cross or really go past a man, bringing on Daniels in that situation is a fantastic idea. And he was brilliant when he came on and he doesn't he's not afraid to run at a player. He's got a good pass, pass in. They were popping it round a few times around the players and and you do feel like if a goal scoring chance or a um, a good crossing chance came you're more likely to get something positive out of it than if it was relying on, on Williams for example so yeah I'd like to see him coming on a, a bit more really to be honest with you, in that situation when we're chasing games I think it's a, it's a fairly good idea yeah I wouldn't have mind starting him against Swindon yeah, maybe. obviously we changed formation and he's not going to play right back um, and Love obviously was back. But if we were going to play wing backs, actually, I probably would have started him against Swindon, who are a pretty awful side. So, yeah, he's a, been a decent acquisition. I'm sure he's not on you know, mega bucks. And, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he develops the rest of the season through the summer um, with a bit more um, coaching um, from the team. Um, but, yeah, just to kind of two kind of major points for me for the rest of the game was, again, again, just kind of lamenting. We had a lot. We had 11 shots in the box in this game. So we're definitely getting in the right areas. Shooting against bodies is a bit frustrating. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. Um, but I think it's fair to say that our passing is good. Um, our, our decisions and uh, and plans to get in the box is good. Uh, it was just the, the shooting was bad. But if I've got one criticism, Glenn, um, of the officials from this game, is yes, crew <laughs> were time-wasting, but I thought the referee was quite poor at managing this. Um, you know, there was no hurrying along. Um, there was no, seemed to be any kind of, indication from the referee that he wanted them to speed up which is you know it sounds maybe like sour grapes but for me it's just a little bit frustrating because you know if that was us we've had um, goalkeepers booked and stuff like that in the past we have but then yeah Sarkic got away we're probably not getting booked on Saturday when he kept grabbing the ball and diving straight onto the floor for no reason whatsoever so yeah it wasn't it wasn't the most controlled referee performance you would like to see them chasing up time wasting from 45 minutes onwards it's not doesn't help the flow of a game does it and that's what I meant despite us having like 12 shots um, you know a few of them came in little clusters of ones and twos around corners didn't they and, and you know that was like an exciting two minutes and, and, and then there was like a good stretch of like five six seven eight minutes where nothing really happened in the game and that's why it's really weird to think we had 12 shots but it 
still felt like quite a turgid game at times to me. And, and that's not a criticism of the performance. You know, crew were rather the resolute, and we tried our best to break them down. But we just kind of get, kept getting coming back, or they they forced us away really. And I think it was just one one of those things, wasn't it? Marginal games, League One game. Our finishing wasn't great. They took their one chance, and it's just kind of you know we've talked about these games a hundred times really in the last few years, haven't we? Ollie? a standard kind of League One result really. Yeah, it's a bit of League One fair, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, moments of brilliance, moments of of, of lack of quality. Um, you know, League One players um, performing as you would expect. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I don't think we could complain too much. Crew were, crew were good for their, their win um, and got the three points. Performance wasn't too bad. Obviously, a bit similar for me in Kent Sunderland. We played all right, but we didn't probably do enough. We probably maybe could have said you could argue we deserved a draw, but it I wasn't would, to yeah. be. No. Um, so... Who did you go for your top three, mate? Uh, well, at the moment, I think a lot of credit is going to um, two particular players that like we just discussed there. And even though they kind of got closed down a bit in the first half, in the second half, they managed to find a space and get back on t- top. So for me, yeah, I thought Vela was fantastic in the game. Um, really stood out as as a, as, as a leader in our team. Passing range, brilliant. He's, he can play a nice little diagonal. Um, really got forward, tried to link up everything and, and was, was was fantastic, to be fair. So I went for Vela. I went for Ogbeta second. I thought, again, for him coming into the team now, he's not been around that long. He's exceptionally talented. Um, and is really starting to show it. I think that moment which we talked about where he dropped his shoulder and tried to curl one in from after after a long range uh, run down the, the wing was just a, a real sign of the raw ability that we might be able to bring out of him and, and, and you know uncover an absolutely fantastic player. So yeah, thought he was really effective. Um and I went for Norbert again, I just thought, you know, next to Vela. Um he did maybe some more of the dirtier stuff in, in the game rather than Vela getting forward a bit more, but um thought he was fantastic as well. So yeah, you know, all three of them were, were really good. Um there was a few other people on the outside of it, the the, the defenders for example that probably could have had a shout but um I think beyond beyond uh, Norburn and Vela the forward positions didn't didn't really have a sniff for top three for me Ollie. Yeah I'd agree with that Glenn. Um I agree with that overall. Um it is mm. what that's how it turned out for me. I put Vela in because I thought it's about time he, he had the opportunity and to get kind of some points on the board. Kind of he's probably missed out a little good, bit yeah. in the yeah. last few weeks. He was really good. Yeah, I thought Pierre had a really good game, and as you mentioned, Ogbetta was was fantastic again. Um, so mm. definitely mm. got something there. I've definitely got a talent there, and someone we can build on um, for the next next year, next season. It'll be exciting to see how we can perform and push on um, for next season. So I was about to say Steve Cottrell then, Ollie, but um, I meant to say Aaron Wilbraham because obviously he's doing our post-match interviews at the moment, isn't he? But um, yeah, what did he have to say about that and, and in terms of the, the overall performance level? Um, the f- first, I did listen to it, to be fair. The one thing I would say, which kind of backs up what we just said, Ollie, was the Chapman chance at the, cha- at the start. If that goes in, the game would be different. And as we've said, that's that's what League One's like. If you can get ahead, you've got a pretty good chance of staying ahead, haven't you? But um, go on, what else did he have to say? Yeah, so he said, yeah, everyone frustrated. Um, we, we need to do better with those chances. Um, yeah, Ogbeto, he was driving us on in late stages. He was really happy with his performance. Yeah. Um, obviously, just now, obviously, was, this was just after the windows closed, so he was reflecting on the smaller squad, which you're happier with. Um, and he was talking about how he played with Pike, uh, Rochdale, and he was off last week with a sickness bug, so he hasn't really had the best chance. Um, so he knows what he needs to do, uh, and he has pace and he's strong. So he's been positive about him. But obviously, we still just haven't seen anything from him yet. So judgment will um, remain there. Um, and then Ollie Norburn, I thought was a really good interview actually from from Ollie. Um, really honest uh, assessment of the game. And I thought it was really awesome, interesting. Well, really good tactical awareness in the in his interview, sharing little bits. Um, and then also, you're like this, Glenn. He was talking about Steve Cottrell, and he was talking about what a big aura he has about him, about how he's raised the standards. Um, from Sam Ricketts um, yep. and he said how it was good for the, for the players um, to hear the manager on Saturday at Posh and obviously yep. hear about him again so yeah that was good um, Ollie Norburn's doing really well this season isn't he 
Well, yeah, but he's, he's well. In, uh, this season's a difficult one, isn't it? Because he was pretty rubbish up until Steve Cotter arrived. But yes, he's definitely taken a massive, like, giant leap forward under the tutelage of a manager that seems to be able to bring out the best of him. Um, and obviously, uh, and the team, the whole team, uh, yeah. Aaron and, and Dave Longwell as well in terms of um, you know being able to, to kind of identify you know how to bring Ollie Norburn on a little bit back to what he is his best and but yeah you're right also the rest of the team as well so yeah it's it's interesting to be fair in terms of, of how much he has kicked on so it's um you know he is our club's captain isn't he at the end of the day and, and it's always good to hear from your club captain and kind of understand what's the, what the vibes like really so um yeah it's interesting didn't he talk about the end of it saying I am my I am his, my harshest critic yeah. I feel better about that. Because I thought we were sometimes. So, so. Yeah, but I think the context, Glenn, of again, I don't want to talk about Ricketts, but you've got to give, I think, the players a bit of um, a bit of the benefit of the doubt just to see how different we've been under, under a manager that actually gives them some coach and gives them some, you know, some proper, um, you know, pre-match tactical plans, a manager that can change things, a manager that sets standards in training. Sounds like training is a lot more intense and a lot more mm. detailed now. So yes, you're totally right to you can still obviously, you know, you've quite really right to criticise the players' performances, but yep. it doesn't half help them a lot if they have a proper football manager. Every week we win, every week we have these positive results. Yeah, the, the more the players are winning back the good faith they lost at the start of the season, because it, quite honestly, some of the performances that, you know, Vela and Norburn, um, even Pierre and Ebanks and, and Williams, you, know, you can, you can the name a lot. Back three is a great example, isn't it? They yeah. looked absolutely Awful. shocking against yep. Peterborough away. And now it's the, you know, if, 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 you, if you were to, you know, show the Peterborough game to someone and then show the game against, I don't know, Doncaster or Lincoln or this Saturday against Swindon. You'd never think they're the same players, would you? It's it's crazy, isn't it? And the more it goes on, the more we do look back and think, what the hell was going on with Ricketts? You know, what 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 exactly was happening to cause very decent League One players to be that poor? And and to me, you know, we've got back to where we should be at this point of the season. As I say, we're we're, we're what you know, three points behind where we were last year um, after a good start last year, I suppose. And you know, we're what sixteenth, fifteenth, something in the table at the moment. I know we'll get on to spending game in a minute. You know, that's probably the par isn't it so we've got back to where we should be on par really and now it's up to these players um, under the under the shoot list new manager to show whether they can get above par and actually you know you should I feel quite confident they can you know maybe look for a, a 14 15 you know a 12 finish something like that there's there's definitely potential for us to do something that we've not done for since the Hurst season so yeah it's good and you know Orlean Auburn particularly has been doing very well um, been in our top five quite a lot our top threes quite a lot over the last sort of five six games and, and definitely isn't back a lot of um, his will really that uh, I think a lot of people have lost a little bit of faith in him. Let's be perfectly honest about it. But it is definitely being reinstalled week on week at the moment. So yeah, it was a good interview. I, I did listen to it as well. And um, yeah, long, long may his good form continue, Ollie. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, so obviously not not the best result we wanted, but decent no. performance. And now we move on to um, Saturday against Swindon Town. So second game this week was a fantastic, long in the making, Ollie, win at Swindon Town. Uh, yeah, much like the crew game, marginal League One game, one goal to nil. That's all it was needed. Um, and Harry Chapman with a, a stunning goal on 34 minutes. So, yeah, in, a couple of interesting stats, really, Ollie, about this one. Um, yeah, say it's a long, long time in the making. 1995 was the last time we won at Swindon, which is crazy, really, isn't it? Um and uh, yeah, so fi- finally got back into winning ways in Swindon. It was one of our sort of longest runs away from home without a win. That was so. Yeah, nice, nice to put those records to bed. Um, but for anyone that doesn't know and and hadn't seen Twitter last night, 
Steve Cottrell, um, with the three points in this game now, is is moving into very, very... I think I mentioned rarefied air a few weeks back. He's gone beyond that now. Um, in the New Meadow era, in the first 11 games at the club, no manager has started as good as, as Steve Cottrell, um, taking 21 points. But in the history of the club, again, since the 1950s, the league history, only one manager ever started better um, in his first 11 games at the club than, than Steve Cottrell has now, um, and that was Graham Turner, obviously our legendary manager, and only by one point. And the fascinating thing is that Steve Cottrell has managed all of this um, from lying in a hospital bed, which is it is staggering, Ollie. The amount of points we've taken since he came in, historically within the club, and and the fight he has had to go through in terms of his own physical health to get us there, you know, and and that is something that is worth reflecting on as we stand here today. And after eleven games, ten games is normally a, a good judgment point, isn't it? But um, you know, for him to be the second best manager in the history of the club after eleven games is is such a, an amazing thing, considering what's been going on. Yeah, yeah, 21 points from 11 games, uh, 1.9 points per game is just phenomenal. Um, yeah, obviously quite a few 1-0s. This is our fifth 1-0 yeah. away win of the season. And, but as you say, um, Steve Cotter has been doing an absolutely fantastic job as well with Aaron and, and Dave Wilhelm. And yeah, we could probably do a podcast just talking how well they've been doing, how happy we are with their performances and the players. Um, it's just been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the last six games against Swindon, we've we've lost um, three and drawn three. So this was never going to be an easy game. And also for me as well, coming to a game where it was likely we were going to have possession and we're playing against a team that is really struggling. We we're going to play against a team that we're going to sit deep. And that is something that we really struggle against. So while the table and the form and everything, you might think, well, Shrewsbury should win this game. Obviously, Shrewsbury fans know that playing against a team that sits deep is hard for us. And we, we struggle against it. Obviously, we saw in the second half against Crewe, actually playing against you know teams like Ipswich and Sunderland maybe give us a better chance because we can play the counter-attacking football yeah. that we're, yeah. we seem to be well adapted to at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting game and I was just happy to watch football again. Yeah, the funny thing about it is, is not only do we do a little bit worse against the poorer teams, I think that's fair over the course of the season, but Shrewsbury have always had this record of doing incredibly badly against the crisis clubs. Do you know what I mean? You know, the the Boltons and the Berries and the Wiggins over the last few years, we've never really got the job done when they've been in their in their sort of massive crises, even, even Tramir, I suppose, at certain points. And, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, Swindon are in absolute shambles. They sold their two best players in the January transfer window, um... Anthony Grant, who was good for them in the game when we played them, and they clawed, they clawed their way back into it early this season, is somehow odd, you know, for a second he hasn't time, suddenly since December, no. disappeared from the team for no reason, and their Dentist. fans are actually going mad about it. Yeah, they, their their main centre back has been binned out of the team for no reason. John Sheridan seems to be completely hated, and then we obviously had the the I follow commentary, and it was the um, BBC Radio Wiltshire commentary, which to be fair was pretty good, and I'm sure you'll want to talk about Ollie because I thought you were quite impressed as well. But um, the most interesting thing was I obviously put I follow on half an hour before the game and sort of check the team news and do a bit of do a bit of tweeting, and they had an interview with the um, the, the the guy that owns Swin. And it was one of the most fascinating interviews I've listened to for a long time because essentially he was, I, I felt partially bad for him and partially like he was an absolute chancer. And essentially he was saying, this football club is on the brink of going bust. You know, we needed to sell these players so that I can pay my bills at the end of February. And I was like, how many more football clubs must be in that state at the moment, Ollie, that we just don't know about? I mean, Swindon might be a bit more of a basket case than others because of how much money the guy invested to get them out of League Two last year. But, you know, we've, traditionally we're not doing very good in these situations against poor clubs. So it was nice to put that to bed. But it is it is a worry that a team like Swindon, who you know, traditionally quite a big club, I think, um, in terms of League One and, and League Two, are, are really struggling as bad as they are. Yeah, it's just, doesn't it, there are going to be other clubs that are struggling, I saw about a month be. ago. The yeah. Preston owner put a one and a half million pounds worth of shares again. Obviously, we had our, um, you know, we had our our money in the bank. 
which is obviously helping us out. Yeah. With a lot of clubs. I heard a, a, a rumour from um, a Swindon Pod um, saying that there's a player in their match day squad who's only in the squad because his dad's a director. You know, <laughs> if that was you, you'd be going livid if we had something like, like that going on. So I do feel very sorry for Swindon <laughs> fans. I did listen to a very good Swindon podcast um, in the week just to kind of get a sense of what was going on there because, yeah, I'd heard some rumours and, yeah, I feel sorry for their fans. Um, we don't have these off-the-field things. We're so blessed in that situation. Obviously, we have poor performances off it, but off it, we don't have anything to really moan about. No. And I just feel sorry for them because they've got an, a dire football manager. If John Sheridan was a Shrewsbury Town manager, I'd generally have to have to say, Glenn, should we carry on doing the pod? Because <laughs> I'm not going to watch any of these games because it is just <laughs> dire. He's had seven formation in 10 games. Um, and he gets three he played, in this game, Ollie. Yeah, he had three in this game, and he played four four two against a team that focused on a number ten. <laughs> so the guy must be fucking stupid. Um, He's all over the shop. It's bloody stupid. We the best player in our team. He presume would going to be Chapman. He's going to play in the number ten role. Steve Cottrell loves a number ten, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm going to play two blanks of four and four four two against a team that play with a number ten. Like it's just stupid. Daft. Yeah, and. Yeah, he's he's a crap manager, and I'd hate him to be your manager of Shrewsbury Town. And yeah, it's I feel sorry for Swindon fans. To be fair, no, I do as well. Actually, having listened to everything in the context of the game, and I actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the game in a minute, I suppose, because it's this more of the wider context that we we talk about sometimes. But I listened to their post match phone in, and I'll, I'll give you this: if anyone's ever listened to Radio Shropshire and thinks that Shrewsbury Town fans are negative, they should have listened to the post match phone in on Radio Wiltshire on Saturday because they played about a good ten minutes before the I follow cut off, and. Um, it was fascinating, you know, anger, the vitriol against um, a manager that's only been there since November. I couldn't believe it, but yeah, obviously they're heading down without any big changes at the moment because they were they were diabolical. But it was interesting. Just to, I, one of the things I've quite liked in the last few weeks about the I follow and the only the away commentary. It's been quite good. I think it was what was the other game a few weeks back? I can't remember now. Was it Sunderland? Sunderland and Bradby Wiltshire, really good commentators, and they knew a lot about the town as well, and it, it did make it a little bit more balanced. I wonder if they've been told to kind of balance it out a little bit because they know that away fans are going to be used to it. But it's also been interesting to find out about the other clubs and what's going yeah. on there and stuff like that and, and give you that context. So it's, it's been quite fascinating to learn. But yeah, if I was, if I was a, a Swindon fan, I'd be super, super worried about the future um, because when they asked the chairman what was going on, he was like, if we're, if we're alive and we're in League 2 next season, I don't really care. And that to me spells doom, to be honest with you, for sure. them going down. So we, if they do go bust, I suppose we can at least be the only STFC in the Football League again, which should be nice. But um, I hope it doesn't come to that for any club at the moment. But um, it seems to be happening. Um, So, yeah, there you go. There's tangential Swindon aside. (laughs) Um, We shall get to our team because there was enough changes in in the team and the formation to talk about, really, Ollie. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, the team sheet came out and there was a lot of puzzled Shooter Town fans. Um, People (laughs) going, are we playing a different formation? Is Vela playing left wing back? Um, are we playing four three three? Are we playing yep. what formation are we going to play? It was a lot of confusion. Um, but how we set up was we played four two um, three one formation. Um, so that enabled um, Love to come back into the side at right back. Ebanks and Williams in central defence. Interesting. Williams went left on the left side, so that was an interesting yep. test for him. Ogbetta played at um, left back, um, so that's good to show his versatility. Obviously, the Bash brothers in the middle. Um, Goss came in and played the number 10 role. And then we yeah. had Worley, Main, and Chapman, um, which I think is quite an interesting dynamic from three, Glenn. Um, I imagine you, you were quite pleased to have these three kind of linked up during the game. 
Well, it's definitely a different look, isn't it? To yeah. be honest with you. I mean, tactically, the, the way it set up was was in essence, in essence perfect, considering yeah. how Swindon went on to play. Um, it enabled so many of our players to find space. It enabled Maine to just focus on having one marker every time, and he was clearly experienced enough and strong enough to be doing the job that he was there for, which was holding the ball and bringing more people into play. Worked perfectly. Our better still got forward when we needed him to get forward. Love just stayed deep as a right right back because that's what he is. So he had a good game. The whole thing just fell into our lap really a little bit. Um, I don't know we only won one nil, but it, we certainly were more dominant and dominant than that. But yeah, I, I quite liked it as a tactic, Ollie. Um, whether you can you know swap Goss for Chapman and you play maybe a Doe in the Chapman role. There's lots of options as well for playing that tactic um, in terms of what you can do in those forward positions as well. You know, Wally can can, can drop into a different position as well. So yeah, it was it was really good. Um, and I suspect we went there to try and play football but the biggest problem Ollie was um, that they appeared to be playing on a ploughed farmer's field um, which is not too intrusive to football so I can see why Swindon play as agricultural as they did at times because I can't imagine they have much ability to try and play football on that pitch at the moment it's awful they have an awful pitch but they also got an awful side um, <laughs> True. And yeah their tactic was tip their, their tactics were very odd um, they were basically playing yeah 4-4-2 but it was huge gaps between them, their midfield and their strikers yeah um, it was basically there was no angles, there was no options, um, and basically they just had to launch it forward. Um, when they got two strikers in the box, obviously that was a bit of a threat um, because obviously they've got two strikers in the box and the wingers could get in. But yeah, it's, it was not a very good approach. Um, but again, for Jerusalem, we worked quite well, and we were able to find Goss in that kind of pockets, and and Vela and Norburn um, were always yeah. there, um, capable of getting the ball. Um, so yeah, I was quite pleased how, with how we set up. Um, just interestingly, um, Aaron Wilberham spoke about the formation in the post-match and he said it's the formation that the, the manager really likes and he said if the manager's here, it's something we would have worked on. So for me, I think that's really interesting that you know Aaron Wilberham thinks that you know we're not just going to be a, a 3-4-1-2 team. You know, we're going to have different tactics in our armoury. And interestingly, actually, taking that central defender out um, in the attacking point of view, you know, you, you know, your fullbacks can play as wing backs still and still push on. Um, so, in some ways, there's, it might sound a bit odd, but I don't know. There isn't huge differences sometimes because obviously your midfield is the same with Vela and Norburn. You've got a number ten. You've just got more forwards up front. Yep. Um, so it's a very, in some ways, it's a subtle change. In some ways, but obviously in other ways, it's quite a big change because you don't have three centre halves. Does that make sense? Well, or am I just waffling? It totally does. And also, uh, you know, I totally agree with what you said there, Ronnie. And I think to add to that second string to that is—is is that why we weren't so worried as a club that we didn't bring in a right and left wing back? Because in a, in essence, we might not actually need them that all that often if this is going to be a tactic we play more often than not, where you might want you know a standard right and left wing uh, right back that can get forward occasionally rather than someone that's going to be playing in a, in a more advanced position. So interesting that that might be something we see more of it looked good um i'd like to see us have a go with that tactic against one of the better teams on a, on a decent pitch as well because i think it'd be really good to watch but yeah it'd be fascinating to see if we we do stick with it ollie um yeah. going forward yeah and just talking of pitches um i think we can probably say this because our pitch is, is absolutely magnificent but yeah there's sort of some dire pitches did you see peterborough's pitch last yesterday <laughs> it looked i know they've had some water leaks from a water burst pipe or something and they had a lot of rain but Man, there are some awful pitches. Gillingham's pitch looks pretty good. Um, Pompey's pitch looks really good. Shrewsbury's pitch is immaculate. Um, hopefully the spring weather will improve some of the pitches and the grass can grow. But yeah, it, um, the pitch on Saturday was very bobbly, wasn't it? And yes, there was yeah. a few times Love miscontrolled the ball and everyone miscontrolled the ball. Um, you just they had did. no idea where it was going to go. 
No, I think you affect some of the shots as well. There was one shot yeah. that Swindon had during the game where it ballooned off, and I thought that's it, divot. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I looked at some of the League Two pictures. I was watching a few highlights earlier on today as well. Some of them look quite bad. And I was listening to um, I can't remember what it was now, what podcast it was, but I was listening to something, and it, and it was on the radio, and they were talking about the lower leagues and how a few clubs tried to save money over the summer and the furlough period by not you know doing anything on the pitches, and it, it's coming. Those sort of chickens are coming home to roost a little bit now because um, obviously the the maintenance and the cost and the money you put into the pitch over the, over the, those time periods pays off for how long it lasts in the in the summer as well and obviously we've had a lot of rain and, and um, snow haven't we in this, in this last period as well so some pitches are really struggling so yeah credit to Shrewsbury for, for keeping ours as good as it was but the game Ollie when it started I was pretty concerned that we were about to have a typical <laughs> Shrewsbury Town thing happen because we obviously learned pre-match that Pierre is out with some sort of calf injury yeah. which requires a scan which I'll be honest with you it has me pretty worried about how long he'll be out for but we shall revisit that later and obviously Walker's still injured from the first game that um uh, that Cottrell played where I think he, he went off injured didn't he so he's still out so we are lacking cover at centre back I suppose Ogbetter and Sears can do a job but the first thing that happened in the game was Ball gets knocked forward after 12 seconds from Swindon and Ebanks and Williams just clash heads and it's a bit of a sickening one to be honest with you they really really walloped each other um, Ebanks sort of comes off worst and uh, Williams seemed to shake it off quite quickly but took Ebanks a long time to get going and, and you know we were talking about this weren't we in our little group chat we have where we were talking about games and we prepped for the podcast and you know you weren't too, too sure about it but I thought it Ebanks for a good couple of minutes looked really groggy, and I do wonder whether he had a you know a little bit of like a, just a dazed head sort of thing that he needed to shake off because he was fantastic, and so was Williams beyond that point. But there was a worry at one point for me that they, they one of them might have been suffering from something a bit worse. Luckily, they weren't. I don't think. Yeah, if they if, if either one of them had concussed, that would have been pretty pretty exactly. pretty bad luck. If both of them mm. had gone off, yeah, that would have been a bit of a disaster. Of <laughs> have maybe played I don't know Goss in central defence or Norburn there or something like yeah. that to try and get through the game. Or maybe even Maine playing central defence. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, it would have been <laughs> it would have been um, it would have been a challenge. Um, but fortunately, yeah, they got bandaged up um, and the, the game was able to to get going again. And I think it's fair to say, Glenn, that we dominate possession, didn't we? Um, again, you know, you're talking about the stupidity. I, was, I did some. Like I've got um, access to Scout now, so I was doing a bit of prep looking at how they'd set up and how Swindon were performing, what different formation they had. And to play 4-4-2 against us with a number 10 um, meant that they wouldn't have to dominate the ball and, and dominate the game, but it didn't work out like that. Um, we were really good at getting the ball forward, getting the ball to Maine, and I thought Goss was really clever of his runs running on beyond Maine. Um, and I thought we dominated possession. We had, we had full-backs, outlets for the ball and Vela and, and Norburn ran the show um, and I thought we were absolutely excellent um, pretty much in the whole first half really I thought we were very very good uh, you couldn't argue with the whole first half I mean yeah you mentioned Goss there man alive for again another player that's kind of coming back in after having been frozen out under Ricketts which looks stupid and stupid as the weeks go on the amount of space he was just dropped into and kind of floated around in. He, he almost did the sort of Chapman kind of role that we've seen Chapman do in the last few weeks whilst Chapman was able to focus on getting forward a bit more and I thought he was really, really good and it was interesting as the first half went on I saw so much praise for Maine and we'll talk about Maine as we go on and we'll talk about Norburn and Vela. They really kind of stood out as being proper good League One players didn't they in that first half but I thought Goss went under the radar a little bit. I thought he was he was absolutely fantastic in that first half and, and you know, shows that he can do a number of roles in midfield, doesn't he? We, we used to think he was the quarterback, you know, sit there and distribute it from just in front of the defence but he's got so much more about his game that you know maybe Cottrell will be able to unlock yeah and this is what I really like if you have a smaller squad you need players that can be versatile and play in different roles and yeah Goss can play the number 10 role as we've seen he can obviously can play in the, the 6 or the 8 role which we, which Vela and Norburn occupy at the moment it's just really good to have him in and it's interesting it's one of those games where yeah Goss 
was kind of in and out of the game. But when you watch the extended highlights back, Goss really dominated the first half. He was great, Along yeah. with Maine. So, yeah, first chance came, I think it's fair to say, you know, we're always fair and we're always equal. Um, the first chance came for Swindon. So there's a cross from the right and headed over by Pittman. Um, but after that, yeah, it was all about Taron. So basically, really nice ball out from the back. Um, flicked on from Maine. Um, Chapman takes the ball forward. Inside to Vela, who passes to Goss, who runs from inside to out. Really good run. And he shots, he has a shot in the box and it forced the keeper from um, keeper to make a save. So that was really good. And then we just continue to dominate possession. So another good run from, from Goss, a low cross into the box. And the Swindon defenders managed to get the ball um, before Maine would get there. And then there was another good chance as well. Um, so Vela and to Maine in a tight spot to Worley, who chips it back to Vela, who shoots on goal. And that was brilliant link-up play from Maine. And for me, it was really interesting. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, Glenn, but it was really interesting that when when the ball went from from Worley to Maine in that t- tight spot, sorry, from Vela to Maine, Worley kept on running and Vela kept on running. And they kept on running because I believe that they had confidence that Maine was going to keep the ball and get to it. And it, that makes such a big difference to whether a player's going to make a run or not. Um, you've mm. seen it. They were talking about this with, um, with Spurs, that um, when, when, only really when Dembele gets the ball does Son make a run. And obviously when they had Kane before, he would make a run. Players only make runs typically if they think they're going to get the ball or something's going to happen. And that ball into, in from Vela into Maine was really fast and really tight, but he managed to get the ball to Worley. And for me, that was indication of why we signed Maine and it gave me a lot of confidence because I thought he was absolutely fantastic in the first half. I agree with all of that, Ollie. It's it's funny with a, with a, with a central strike like that. You've got two options, haven't you? You can kind of hopefully put it into him and make sure someone's running beyond and think he might get the flick on as a big target man. You know, that's maybe a bit more agricultural than you would think. Or or you can do what you know sets up the goal. We'll talk about in a minute, which is where you you as a midfielder, if you think that the, the ball's going to the striker, you don't necessarily try and run beyond him. You can kind of look where the defenders are, look where your kind of marker is just behind you in field, and you run into that space and you give Maine an opportunity to just pop it into a little area. That's all you need to do, then, don't you? You just you let you let it in the area where someone can run onto it. You don't necessarily need to put it right into their feet. Um, and the amount of times that happened in the first half, it was, it is like you explained, it was just fantastic. You know, he's, he's really good at holding it and then finding that space and, and seeing someone running into it. And, and the whole thing just worked brilliantly. And he, you know, for, for, let's be honest about it. When we signed him, um, the, the reaction by Shooter Town fans was incredibly negative because we remember what he was like when he was here on loan. He was particularly poor. He missed that sitter against Wolves, which is honestly iconic in terms of the club's history. A chance to beat Wolves in League One after, you know, you know, local game and, and the time that had gone since we played them last and you know he wasn't a player then but he was young and he was on loan he, he certainly you know on the evidence of this one game has developed into something much more physically strong intelligent and um yeah and, and experienced which is what happens to a lot of players so you know hopefully we're going to see the best side of him um and the side that's been a bit had him playing at the top level in scotland so yeah the whole the whole thing was working really well um and having the two guys either side of him um and and a lot of space that swindon were giving him was just perfect foil for him to be able to set up as as many chances he created in the game yeah his hold up player is brilliant he's, he seems really strong um mm. really physical um, and as you say glenn yeah he's obviously developed a lot since since we had him on loan um and yeah really good player a nice ball from Williams basically kind of played a long ball along the back line Williams passes to Ebanks really nice long ball from Ebanks perfect to Maine's chest and he just chests it off to, to Chapman who finds himself on the right hand side this time um, who takes the ball under control and again the space between the, the Swindon back line and the Swindon midfield was massive huge, huge. gap um, Maine and Chapman had loads of time um, he 
Basically, Chapman controls the ball, has the time to set himself, fires into the back of the net off the post. Um, and then, yeah, that had me off my seat. That was a fantastic goal. It's funny, with, with that chance, if you look at when Lemayne lays it off, he could have laid it off on the other side to Wally, who was in equally much space you know, away from his defender. And you know, Wally could have took it on two strides and had a shot. But as it turns out, it fell to Chapman and... The shot was spectacular. You know, he's hardly scored any goals in his career before he came to this club. He'd scored four in like 147 games. He scored three in like four for us, hasn't he? Something mental like that. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. But he's got such good technique and shooting ability that you wonder why he hasn't scored more goals because some of the goals he scored have been great. But um, yeah, he just catches it lovely on the second bounce, takes one touch, lets it bounce, then hits it. um, And it's sort of almost... It looks like it curls away a little bit, doesn't it, from the goalkeeper? He's at full stretch, but um, it's just so fast. Such a fast hit as well. I'm, I'm literally watching it on replay now as we talk about it, Ollie. And yeah, great goal, great hit, great moment. Another one of those cheer in your front room kind of moments. Yeah. Uh, I think I shouted, he's done it again. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, that's what I shouted out. And my wife came in and was like, what's going on? But um, yeah, just great. And, and such a moment. And again, League One, once we go ahead, I, re- I was really starting to think, oh, that'll be that. Because Swindon up to that point, as I said, had been absolutely awful. Yeah, they'd had. Um, and they even had an opportunity. Love fouled. Um, a player on the right-hand side, um, a, cr- a free kick to be taken. Um, obviously, they've got target men in the box, including Pittman, and the ball just goes out for a goal kick, um, which pretty yep. much summed up their half. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I feel sorry for I do feel sorry for Swindon fans. Um, and then, interestingly, Sheridan showed that he is actually a football manager, Glenn, uh, because at half-time, he changed shape um, to a kind of 4 one 4 which I assumed they were playing, and the commentators kind of backed that up. And the, mm. the kind of the aim for me was to stop and shoot you having the angles and space. And I thought it worked really well. Swindon came out and controlled the first 10 minutes. And we were chatting, weren't we, in private in our chat about were Shrewsbury defending more? We were just struggling to keep the ball. It's probably a bit of both, wasn't it? We couldn't keep the ball like we were in the first half. But certainly the full-backs were playing a little bit more conservative um, and we were, def- we were happier to kind of happier defend the lead, um, which is obvious, you know, obviously playing away from home. But in reality, across the whole of the second half, they only had one good chance. And that was the cross not long into the second half, was it, where someone crossed it in. Pittman, Pittman actually got unmarked. Um, yeah, Williams, and, yeah, Williams was a bit late. Probably his only mistake he made all game. Yep. He was a bit late to jump. Uh, Pittman got him there. But, but it's interesting when you talk about tactics. Yeah, so that was the only really good chance he had. But you say he changed it, didn't he, at half-time. And they got back into the game and made it more difficult, almost almost gave us a little bit more to think about. And fair play to Swindon. They did improve a little bit. They were still pretty rubbish, I thought, in terms of the ways they were playing forward passes and stuff, always out of play. It was, it was really bad. But, you know, and the game went on then. We'll go through the moments. But there was a moment where he changed it tactically again at the end, didn't he, and made yeah. a few more subs and, and completely took the impetus out of the game <laughs> for them, which was really bizarre. So as much as he got credit for that one substitute, uh, one sort of change of tactics uh, in the first, in the second half he completely ruined it at the end and, and the game just drifted out of it after that substitute after that change of tactics so yeah thank you to, to him for making that late one because it made the end of the game much easier but yeah I mean there wasn't a huge amount to talk about second half I suppose was there it was a case of, of they missed their good chance we had a few good counters didn't we I mean yeah so, some of them some of them were right weren't they I think the best one was when Vela ran forward and put it into Chapman but he kind of hit it high and wide didn't yeah. he so um, other than that, yeah, that was sort of it. And that period between where they were good and where we changed the tactics, nothing really happened, did it? We sort of sat back and let them have a go at us, tried to hit them on the break, and it was it was quite a, a turgid sort of 10, 15 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, we struggled with our change of shape and we couldn't keep the ball. Um, I think also a bit of tired legs coming in to play. Yeah. Um, we had, then we had, a, they then changed to that, to the diamond, which was really odd. Um, it was interesting, I posted some uh, positional maps after the game and some, some Swindon fans were e- equally bemused about that change. Um, yeah, it's just really weird. Like for 10, 15 minutes, we had no space, no time, couldn't get the ball. 
and then mm-hmm. decided, you know what, I'm going to give Shrewsbury the time and space again. He changed formation, and then yeah, we brought on Davis around this time as well to give ourselves some extra legs. And then yeah, well, there was that... one bit of time where Davis and Love, um, and I think it was Pike, had their own little passing game <laughs> in the middle of the park. <laughs> it was just they kept the ball for about a minute, passing a bunch on each other, not really going anywhere. Um, and yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Swindon fans are very frustrated at that point. Um, Wally had a chance. He ran five, went forward and fired wide. Um, and then we brought a doe on, didn't we? Um, we kind of changed to more of a diamond to match them up to kind of see the game out. Um, and the game kind of just kind of started to run away from them there, didn't it? Uh, we were in control. We had the lead. We weren't trying too hard to get a goal. Um, it felt quite comfortable. No, the, the most interesting, the most interesting thing in the second half for me, other than <laughs> seeing their game out and getting the win, was I got a lot. I had a lot of time for the commentators on BBC Radio Wiltshire doing a pun when um, Donald Love and, and Hallam Hope <laughs> had a clash. So Love and Hope, and uh, yeah, they crashed into each other, and it was quite a violent exchange. And he kind of made a. You would have thought that a clash between Love and Hope would have been a bit nicer, sort of thing. I thought it <laughs> was a really good pun that, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I, I think the other thing that stood out from this half was the amount of time Wilbraham was on his phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh my god, he was up and down the you're tunnel. You're not known for your comedy, Glenn, but this was this was a good tweet. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about the tweet. I was just talking about the fact that clearly Cottrell, um, one, you know, was having a massive impact on the game, wasn't he, in terms of the instructions and clearly detailed instructions he was giving him. Because yeah, I did do a joke, and it's on Twitter. It was sort of like you know, it looks like he's on the um, on the phone ordering a, a, a sort of Indian takeaway and asking Brian Jensen what he wants, which is which is quite amusing. But actually, what he was doing was getting clear instructions off the phone, passing them to Brian. And then Brian would take them to um, Longwell, and then he was doing all sorts of you know dramatic hand signals to all the different players. And it clearly at that point was when they changed to a diamond from that video. Yeah. If you go and look, because you could see Longwell going like diamond, doing diamond shape. So that change to diamond clearly came from Cottrell. So he must be watching these games. You know, he's obviously only got the iFollow stream, you would imagine, but. To, to be able to sort of pick out what's going on just from watching an iFollow stream and then transmitting that through a phone to our, our coaching team that are at the game, it's, it's fascinating, isn't yeah. it, what's going on at the moment, this whole thing? And, and, and it worked really well. It did help shut the game down going to a diamond. Yeah, there's a little um, little moment in um, Ogbetta's um, post-match interview and he was talking about how the manager was talking at half-time. He hasn't met the manager met yet, obviously. Oh, God. And um, <laughs> he was saying that the manager was talking about details and he said that he was reminding him about a free kick he gave away and he said, like the level of detail and stuff is just crazy. Um, and yeah, the man's the man's um, just absolutely obsessed with football. And yeah, I'm, yeah, he's an absolutely fantastic manager. Can't wait to have him back. Um, yeah, mm. he's abs- there's a lot of love for, for Steve Cottrell um, from the Shrewsbury fans at the moment. Um, but I think it's fair to say the game. You know, we had another chance, didn't we, Glenn? So it's around oh, ninety yeah. minutes. Ogbeta Ogbeta um, runs forward, um, and then yeah, basically cross into the box, uh, but. Yeah, obviously some people are a bit torn. I can see there was a, a comment from um, from a Shrewsbury Town fan basically criticising my tweet as much, saying this was 90th minute, this is from Callum, who I sit next to at the Shrewsbury, saying, you know, yeah, that was 90th minute, it's a bit harsh to criticise a doe. But for me, it was just a, it could have been any game. Um, basically, Alberta gets forward, a lot of players run into the box, and a doe doesn't tack, doesn't tap the near post, sorry, the, the, the front post. And if he'd done that, I reckon he would have got, got at least a, a chance at goal. Yeah, I think it's a case of like, you know, in any team at any level for football, if your strikers want to score goals, they'll 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 really throw themselves into it, won't they? In a situation like that, and I'm sure he wants to score and he's trying to do all the right things. It just felt like, and, and it's, it's difficult to tell from I follow quite how far away it was for him, but it just felt like just try and throw yourself at it. You know, you might get a chance, it might it might go in. You know, you might get a, a bit of a fluky goal, but I don't know. It just it kind of summed up I think what a lot of people are worried about a doe about, like we talked about this start of this podcast. Um, but yeah, that, that's just the, the sort of thing that kind of is happening for him at the moment, isn't it? Which is, 
I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. As I say, I, 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 can't, I can't see him being the one that starts every week. It's going to be Main and or Ollie, uh, or, 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 or Wally, and it's yeah. going to sort of rotate around like that. I or think, Pike isn't it? Which or, is... or Clark. For me, I guess the, the rest well, of the I season is going to be about testing. Yeah, I understand what you say. I like to give players. Yeah. I like to give players ten games to kind of prove themselves. But at the same time, Pike hasn't done anything that makes you believe he's going to be a League One striker yet. So obviously holding judgment, but I understand why you're you're mm. not um, overly excited at the moment. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah. So I'd say the, the game sort of sort itself out there. We, we went for the corner. The the most upsetting thing for me in this whole game, Ollie, was that they had a corner on like the last kick of the game, didn't they? And they sent the keeper up. They, we defended the corner. It kind of pinged about a bit, and then it came to Vela as he was sort of chasing away. And the goalkeeper was behind Vela. He was still in the box, and Vela sort of took three steps. And I thought, oh, we're away here. He's going to run in. There's no one in goal. We, we were going to score it. And someone pulled him Pittman. back. And Vela is Pittman. Yeah. He, and to be fair, I thought Vela's strong enough. He, he could. Could have probably stayed on his feet and kept going if he really wanted to, um, but he took the free kick, didn't he? And I was like, oh man, it would have been great to see us break on a on a chance like that with no keeper in goal. Yeah. But that was it. As soon as as soon as that happened, we got the ball too turfed it upfield, and and that was game over really. And and yeah, we we did our did our bit of usual uh, slowing the game down second half where we needed to. Sarkic particularly, as I say, yeah, I mentioned it in the other game, but he was brilliant whenever he came out to claim the balls. And and we haven't mentioned Sarkic much over the course of these two games. He's been brilliant in both games. His yeah. his area ability now coming out to claim balls is as good as any Very other kind of lone keepers. Yeah, and but when he gets it, he just goes bang on the floor and just that's it. I'm going to stay here for thirty seconds at least until until everybody's left the box, sort of thing. And and that was helping. But um, yeah, all in all, it was a good win. And I just thought that's the kind of Shrewsbury Town I like to see. You know, we're never. I'm never expecting Shrewsbury Town to be a full flowing, amazing attacking team because we haven't. Even under even under even under um Hurst, we were exciting to watch, but we still weren't the most fl- you know brilliant attacking team all the time. We didn't score loads of goals, did we? Um, but. That's what I like to see. A team that can get a goal and get it in a you know silky smooth kind of nice goal to score kind of thing. Um, you know, defend it and and be solid um, and show a hundred percent commitment. And that's what will get you results at League One level. That's that's my shoes with Town Ollie. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but that's the sort of kind of gritty away performance that I really like to see. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, definitely, it was brilliant. Um, and also, we were we we're going to joke. We would been joking online, haven't we, about Main versus Greg in terms of data and stats. <laughs> <laughs> and Curtis May got an assist as well, so that's good to see. But yeah. interestingly, Glenn... He also broke one of the centre-backs, Ollie, as he well. Did. He did, he <laughs> did. <That's> the... <laughs> but interestingly, um, the data where... Uh, well, I don't know where who scored get their data from, but apparently, according to this, um, Curtis Main is um, 67 kilograms, which is five um, less than Mark Pugh, apparently. And um, Jason Cummings is 17 kilos heavier than than, than Curtis Main. I don't think his data's accurate. <laughs> that's all the Nando's, that is. That's, <laughs> I don't, don't think that's accurate. No, no, he looked like a frigging unit, yeah, to be honest he with you. He looks real strong, but... Um, yeah, that was great, and, and and I suppose you know that that was it really. You know, everybody played their part in the game. You know, I, I couldn't really be critical of, no. of too many of the players. Um, and yeah, just just great, good debut for Maine, and um, yeah, all, all the players did. So I suppose we, we've talked about how bad Swindon were. We can't really say any more than I just think there's just one um, word to sum them up. Glenn. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say my word. You can think of another one, and just while I'm doing that, for me, one word to sum up Swindon: terrible. I, I got one word to sum up Swindon: doomed. I'm almost certain they'll go down yeah. with, with what they're doing and what there's what's going on at the club. So that's one of one of the four positions gone. So that'll be fine. So yeah, so that that was it, Ollie. And uh, yeah, went. I started looking at the stats really and getting quite excited about all the form and stuff after that. And then I had a nice nice uh, evening takeaway on a Saturday just to break the the monotony of working from home up in a week. I think that's quite a good thing. So yeah, a good day all round, Ollie. But who was your top three? Yeah, I went for Williams first. Um, I think there's you know yeah. it's just quite hard to go from from a right side of a back three to a left side um, left sided centre back in a two. Um, and we've never haven't really seen um, you know Williams hasn't always played 
centre-back on his own, especially on the left-hand side. And I thought he had an absolutely momentous game. Um, his pace um, really helped in the centre-back position. Um, you know, he's playing against Pittman, who's obviously a very experienced pro. I thought he had an absolutely amazing game. He was absolutely phenomenal, I thought. Um, great to see him performing and pushing on. And I'm sure he'll only get better under the tutelage of Cottrell. Um, and then Maine, I had to put second. I thought he just was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then finally third, Chapman, I had to put him there um, because of the strike. And I thought he had a good game again. Again, he works really hard and he he worked so hard he got cramp um, in the second half, um, which is not a surprise given he obviously he's been playing um, you know very lacklustre under 23 football for, for Blackburn Rovers. And then to come and play for us, um, full felt um, football league football, it's not surprises that he's, he's struggling a bit. No. No, it, you'd always know we've had a good game when you know me and you kind of have quite different top threes, and yeah. it's normally because you know there's at least seven or eight people who could be involved in it. But for me, I really wanted to give Ebanks and Williams man of the match each, um, much as you gave Williams, because off the back of the fact that we haven't played that formation of a four that often recently, they smashed heads in that sickening manner, like twelve seconds into the game, and and both of them at one point, you know, you could have thought, oh my god, they might be going off here. They played with bandage on their heads, you know, battle hardened. Um, couple of blokes and they were fantastic across the whole game Williams going forward a little bit more in terms of getting the ball out but also his pace as you say covering off Ebanks was brilliant but Ebanks you know that he looked so groggy when he got up and he didn't miss a header the rest of the game I couldn't couldn't believe how how much commitment he put into the rest of that game I think there was a moment maybe three or four minutes after they got up initially from the seven minutes of the injuries that were the sort of the injury delay and they put a ball into the box and he got up and he just he headed it away the second time around I, th- I think it was only one way he really wobbled uh, and Everything else from that point was amazing. So I gave Ebanks first and Williams second, but it's harsh because they both should have really been top three. I just thought commit for commitment and hard work and, and grit to, to kind of see a performance out, I thought they were brilliant. And for me, I really could have put Maine and Chapman in there as well. I, t- I totally agree with you, but because I saw you put them in there, I wanted to give Goss some credit because just I thought the, the way he played across the 90 minutes and, and the fact he's coming back into the team and all of those factors I just talked about, I thought he was brilliant and I thought he deserved at least a couple of points from that one as well. So um, that was brilliant. But neither of us mentioned Ogbetta or Sarkic. So as I said, both of them were fantastic in the game and, and really could have had a shout as well. So yeah, really great to have that many players uh, having having good games. And we won't play anyone as bad as Swindon every week and that's unfortunate, but um, it does show we can put them put these sorts of teams to bed now and I want to see that happen a bit more going forward yeah and you, you know you could say Worley had a decent solid game you know didn't do yep. anything wrong or did some good link-up play obviously playing up front um in a, in a, in a game like this is going to be you know it's going to be running it's not going to be easy at times um and yeah love did all right as well there's a lot of love for yeah. love on twitter last night um so yeah that was positive um and then yeah what did the system manager have to say so he's talking about pierre and the calf injury which we weren't sure about at the kickoff yeah um, he said, you know, the formation worked really well. So the manager gave us a lot of guidance, what to work on, and we worked on it on Thursday and Friday, and, and that worked. So that showed that shows a lot of confidence in the staff and the players to, to pull that off. He talked that Chapman, Chapman came off. They're basically going to take Wally or Chapman off because obviously they played a lot of football, but um, Chapman had a cramp, so that's why he came off. Thank God it's only cramp, Ollie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we really need him. Um, Maine, he thought he was unbelievable, exactly what we needed from a number, a number nine in a great performance. And um, yeah, he summed up the performance, I thought, with the word desire, Glenn. And I know you really like yeah. that. You like that from your Shrewsbury yeah, Town teams. Do. Who doesn't, um, to be fair? But yeah, we had a lot of desire and grit in that, in that performance. 
it was brilliant. The whole thing was great. As I say, it's um, it's going to be fascinating to see how we keep going now. We've got different tactics. Something we lamented Ricketts for only having a plan A for years, didn't we? And plan A never worked. But you know, different tactics can play. You know, players that could drop into different positions. You know, and players that are in good form now and and want to clearly kick on. It's it's going to be so much. So it must be great for Alan Wilburn. Do you not think to be yeah. in charge of this team oh, at this moment yeah. in time? What what an amazing start to your coaching career. Yeah, he said that um, he was interviewed. <laughs> there was a question. I think it was from BBC Wiltshire um, when he was doing his post match at the end. Um, after Lewis and he said you know what was it like and he said the first three days he said he was spinning he said this job is a 24-hour job um, yeah. it's like just so much going on um, which is yeah really interesting um, and then yeah Aaron Wilbham doing a fantastic job and for me maybe he'll be a manager in the future but he seems to be enjoying being Definitely. assistant as well and he's only 40 he's got plenty of years left in the game um, and yeah talking about Ogbeta he said you know it was really so I thought this was a really good line he said it was his most important game yet obviously three games in especially in such a short period of time and he said I said to him before the game don't get bored of being the best player on the pitch because he was in the last two games and he stood up like a wow. man today. Um, so that was really interesting to hear. And then on the lighter note, um, he was saying how the manager spilled his ice cream and tea um, during the second half of the game. He, apparently, <laughs> apparently he's got like iPads and laptops and all stuff with all oh the iPhone feeds. So if one of them goes down, he can still watch. Um, and apparently like the nurses and stuff and the, the staff in the hospital are kind of with him when he's watching the game a bit sometimes. Oh, and it's brilliant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Hopefully, I can't wait to hear, I can't wait to see the manager back in the press conference or on the side, yeah, yeah looking healthy, looking good, looking um, back and, and also just, yeah, going to hear some of the stories he's going to share. Yeah, I hope the club, actually, that's a good point, actually. I, I hope that when he's back to full-time work, you know, and, and that week before his first game, that the club just have a chance to, to kind of sit down with him and do a maybe 10, 15-minute interview, so, like the Brian ones yeah. he does, where he kind of sums up. I'd, I'd love to hit, know the story of what he's... He doesn't have to talk about his own personal no. COVID situation if he doesn't want to. That's fine. But just talk about what it was like to be a football manager trying to run a football club from the hospital bed. Yeah. It would be really fascinating to learn what he's been through. And and it's, it's, still, it's still incredibly upsetting a bit I suppose that he's in hospital still it's, it's, it's been a long time now hasn't it yeah. to have been in hospital that long is 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 really worrying isn't it but you know Aaron was saying you know I think in the in the pre-match wasn't he that again there's been some little steps forward hasn't there and you know they're talking about maybe being going being able to go home at some point soon I think yeah so, interesting um, on that, that point would be a big step. so BBC Wilkshire asked him about that again I think they must have missed some of the interview and he said that the manager was disappointed he didn't get out of hospital last week no, so actually, okay. that's good um, and yeah so hopefully he's on the road to recovery soon um, so that was really good um, so yeah that was that was what he had to say and then I, I urge all Shrewsbury Town fans to go and watch Nathaniel Ogbeta's interview it was absolutely brilliant um, the, I've never heard the word man and family used so much but he's such a good kid um, he's 19 years old you know he made a big call to leave Shrewsbury he played England under 18s 19s 20 playing for Man City's under 23 and he was talking about how his reputation had kind of kept him getting in the England team and he said he wasn't really working potentially as hard I'm kind of taking mm. I'm not putting words I am putting words in his mouth there but that's what he's kind of saying and he said yeah. you know he was thinking about going to Portugal or Belgium and obviously now he's at Shrewsbury um, and he was talking about he used the word family a lot and he's saying, like, no, everyone is helping me. The staff is helping me. He said, Nor- um, said Norburn's helping me. Vela's helping me. Pierre, Ebanks, Williams, all guidance me. And he says, there's a really, really big family here. Um, he said, the boss is so encouraging and everyone's there for him. Um, and he's been told that the manager's really tough and he's, get- he's <laughs> getting ready for when he comes back. Um, and it's such an like a enthusiastic um, interview. It gives a real insight to kind of what kind of guys, you know, Vela and Norburn are. 
you know, obviously we yeah. see them as footballers and, you know, we just see them as almost, you know, characters in, in, in a kind of, in, in, a, in like a soap opera, you know, on the pitch. But obviously yeah. behind the scenes, they're, they're guys with families and stuff. And um, for me, goodness, it's a really fascinating little story. Um, so Torbetta's um, sister was a 100-meter, 200-meter runner, and now she's like Britain's breast triple jumper. So he said there's always been a bit of family competition. And then another family thing, which is just crazy, he said that his, um, his, his uncle is a doctor and has come over from Nigeria to work in a hospital in the UK. His uncle is working in a hospital in Shrewsbury. Wow. So he's, so he's now living with his family in Shrewsbury with his, with his uncle. So he says, oh, he says, I'm seven minutes from the ground. Um, and, you know, you know, obviously then he's got that support. He's a, he's a 19-year-old kid. You know, um, you know, obviously you're mm. 19 mean you'd gone off to uni, you know, and, you know, you kind of, you know, you get up to all sorts and stuff. But he's living with a doctor as well. So that's good to know. He's got that medical, <laughs> medical prep. No, there I was say, and I imagine he's probably been fed well as well by uh, by his, his uncle and their family as well. So I thought that was just a really, really good interview, really worth listening to. Um, and so, yeah, really nice little little insights there. I like that. It gives him a little bit of a Shrewsbury connection, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, I think that's that's quite going to be quite important going forward. And I think it's it's something that you know fans like to see someone that's obviously got family. You, you might want to settle here for a, a little while, and and you know who knows where his career will take him. I you know you already start to suspect his career will take him beyond Shrewsbury Town. Oh, at some he's point, fantastic! But, um, isn't he? We haven't really talking about yeah. him, but he's got pace. No. He's he's really good in the tackle. Um, someone's decision making is brilliant. And you know when you, you know remember can you remember when we first I remember when we first had Grant Holt and it might sound a bit stupid, but hopefully people understand what I'm talking about. When we first got Grant Holt, and I think it was I can't remember if it was a pre-season friendly or a first league game. He got the ball near us in the West End, and he just yeah. pinged the ball to the other side of the pitch, and it was like, wow, that was good. That was that was classy. That's good technique. And there's a couple of moments. I've seen from a better in most games, but there was a moment in the game against Swindon. He got the ball and he just passed it really fast, really good accuracy to Vela on the inside. And you just see those little bits from him and you go, no, he was talking about it as well. He knows he's got the technical ability, but he's now playing in a man's game, in a man's league. um, And he looks like he's got a lot of potential. He looks so assured, so yeah. sure, sore-footed. As I think I called him, you know, wise beyond his years, didn't I, the other week in his, in his first game, and it's definitely coming out. So yeah, no, I, I haven't listened to that interview, but I might go and have a, yeah, have a listen have to that. A listen, it sounds it's really good. good. But the, I can tell you one interview you don't want to listen to this week, Ollie, was John Sheridan's <laughs> post-match interview where he said he didn't think we were the better team and that uh, their keeper didn't have much to do. All right, mate, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I, I think that that probably sent the Swindon fans into a more of a rage than the actual performance on the pitch. So yeah, <laughs> that was the other interview I listened to post-match on Radio Wiltshire, and it didn't go down very well. But um, there we go. So, yeah, good week, I suppose, all in all. We, we pass, sort of gap to the bottom um, four is six points now, Ali, which is a, a really nice buffer to have with a, with a good chance with our three games in hand on most of the teams below us to kind of stay out of trouble now for the rest of the season. Obviously, the problem is we've got a couple of... <laughs> couple of slightly hard games you'd say on paper hard but on form and how we do against these better teams maybe not so much um so yeah Sunderland on Tuesday and uh Ipswich at home on Saturday so I don't know we'll wrap this pod up last how are you feeling about this week Ollie yeah so Sunderland's gonna be an interesting game um Sunderland um you know they drew against Northampton on the 2nd of Jan drew against Hull um then they um beat Wilmington 3-0 lost to Plymouth 2-1 beat us 1-0 obviously then they lot then they beat Ipswich 1-0 Drew to Gillingham, and then drew to MK Dons. Um, so yeah, their results are a bit funny. You know, they draw they draw a lot. They're seventh in the league table, and then we've got Ipswich, whose results are very similar. You know, they they, they lost to Swindon three two, Glenn, on the 9th of Jan, and they beat Burton Albion one 0 They lost to Peterborough one 0 
and obviously they lost to Sunderland. They drew one all with Ips and um, with Crew, sorry, um, and then they beat Blackpool two nil um, on on Saturday. Um, they have signed some bloody good players. So they signed Parrot um, from Spurs, who's a really, really highly rated striker, Irish striker, and they um, signed Luke Matheson from who was who went from Rochdale um, to Wolves on loan. And they signed some really good players. Um, obviously, as we know, Ipswich fans hate their manager. Uh, with a lot similar to how Swindon fans hate Sheridan, so these are weird games. Obviously, playing seventh and tenth, um, you know, you don't expect to win both of these games. But the way that we set up and the way we perform, you know, yeah. you wouldn't be surprised you if we get one win out of them. I'd expect one win, to be honest with you, the way that this league is and, and the randomness of results. I think that, you know, if you look at football in general, you've seen the stats this week about away wins, particularly in the Premiership, and I think it's flowed down the other leagues, is that so many more away wins are happening at, at, at clubs you might not expect it. Um, so I, it's weird. I can see us winning at Sunderland, but I can see us losing at home to Ipswich. I don't know why, why I feel like that. Um, so we're going to predict Ipswich. I'll go for us to lose 2-1 to Ipswich, um, but I do think we'll have probably got three points on the board at Sunderland and, and that'll be fine. Um, and, you know, I did Correct us to beat Swindon, uh, correctly predict us to beat Swindon 1 0 last week, Ollie. So, um, you know, I, I have a bit of form. Um, but yeah, one thing I was just going to say, really, I suppose, is that, um, yeah, it doesn't really, not, I'm not saying it doesn't matter too much about these games now, but they do feel, feel like free hits a little bit against these bigger teams at the moment because of how well we've done recently. And it felt a little bit like that when we won the two away games back to back and then went on to, to win the third one, didn't it? It felt like, oh, well, we've done well, so we can play with a bit more freedom. I, I certainly think we're going to these games playing with freedom now, and that's exactly what, what's been really useful against these bigger teams recently hasn't it yeah I think we're going to games of confidence with a clear game plan um, know what we're doing um, yeah I've got this feeling we're going to have a good week again just I think it's just I'm so happy and confident with what, how we're doing at the moment I've got this <laughs> feeling we're going to get a draw against Sunderland um, and i got this feeling we're going to get a 1-0 win again um, as you say Glenn whoever gets that first goal in this Covid season and we're seeing it you know in the Premier League as well you know and, and the Championship as well there's some crazy results whoever gets that first goal really changing both games were almost mirror copy of each other weren't they on this week yes. so Crew got the one goal and defended um, Shrewsbury Town on Saturday probably didn't defend as much as Crew did but but the but kind of the narrative of the game was the same so whoever scores first so I can see us getting that goal against Ipswich um, and then yes yeah, seeing it out so fingers crossed I'm right hmm Good stuff. Oh, well, we'll we'll hopefully be back. Oh, well, we will be back next week. I hope so. Uh, one way, one way <laughs> the other, but we will. <laughs> hopefully, there's no COVID. Um, but yeah, uh, we will be back next week with wins. I was going to say. So yeah, one winner do me next week. You know, let's keep our head above water. But you know, if we come back next week with two wins, Ollie, I'm going to start talking about playoffs. So I'll just tell you that now. <laughs> um, but we shall leave that for another week. But yes, we'll be back. And uh, yeah, hope everyone has a good week. And uh, yeah, we'll enjoy watching town as usual, won't we, Ollie? Much as we wish we were there, we will have to just get on with these yeah. streams at the moment. But um, yeah. Good stuff and uh, catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.